of the 3D Experience Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Devin, alongside Daniel and David. How you guys doing? What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You want to know why I'm doing pretty good, Daniel? Why are you doing pretty good? <laughs> because Timo Werner is going to be a Chelsea player. Dude, F off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You started off hot, huh? Was, I'm starting to get right in, dude. I am so giddy. I'm so giddy. I'm so... I'm so happy, bro. It, this is a signing of the lifetime. So just to let you guys know, we're going to start off this podcast just going through a couple of big transfer rumors that are going on this summer because even though the leagues are still going on and they're kicking back up and we're super excited about that, but it is still the summer transfer window and it's not as hot as we like it to be, but there's still some big things going on. So we're going to start off with uh, looking at how Werner's going to fit into this team. <clears throat> what do you think, uh Daniel. Dude, I don't even want to talk about this. That's how annoyed I am. <laughs> I I just thought he was coming to Liverpool for sure. Like I it was just in the back of my mind, like, oh, we will get Timo Werner come the summer. And then this completely blindsided me with the news. So I'm not too happy about it. But I mean, he's a, a great player. He's insane. He'll fit he'll fit Chelsea's play style. I hate to say it, because they play with that one main striker up top, which has been, you know, Drogba it has been Giroud. It it has been Murata at times. Like it's they they've based a lot of their play in that four three three around the one main striker and the two fast wingers. So I mean, you guys have a lot of youth, and adding adding Timo Werner up top would be insane. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he plays in the Premier League because it's a completely different game, as everyone says when they come here. But I'm I'm sure he'll do well, and that's what annoys me because I know he'll be a successful player. Yeah. Being 24 years old, kind of is coming into his prime, which is uh, pretty good for coming to the Premier League because of how quick he is, how lethal he is in the box. So what about you, David? I think uh, Werner's a great signing for Chelsea. Um, I know I've talked to you, Devin, about how Chelsea have been needing like a really good striker. Uh, I mean, Tammy Abraham is good, but he's still really young, Not a, has the potential to be great. Um and I know Chelsea kind of have like this curse of or with hit or miss strikers, mm-hmm. but I think um, Werner is. I think like Danny was saying, it's he's going to be a, such a great fit because there's youth behind him, especially with Ziyech coming in as well, and players like Pulisic, who you guys already have, is it's going to be a, a fresh team. And I think he'll. He was a player that was linked to big teams pretty much for the past like two to three summers because he's been really great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think it's such a great signing. Yeah. The past two three seasons, I think he's a player that has shown systemic improvement across each uh each season because of the increased amount of goals he scored and just the just the goal involvement in general because he's really good with the ball at his feet. But one thing I do want to say is. Werner was flirting with Liverpool for months, months on end, months on end. But if you look at it as kind of a depth standpoint, uh, that front three at Liverpool is so good. Salah, Mane, Firmino, all three world-class players. And 
Klopp has rarely ever changed that front three in games that are really important. And signing uh, Warner at Liverpool, it would be tough because he's not a player like Shakiri or Origi who can who are okay with being that super sub and making a difference in the last 10, 20 minutes of the game. But he's also not good enough to break that top three, that, that front three. So I think that's kind of the reason why he did not chose Liverpool to go to. And all it took was one great phone call from Lampard, which is actually like uh, true that Lampard talked to Warner over the phone. And that was all it took for him to convince Chelsea. So I'm super excited. But I will say, I am I. After watching Chelsea for so long, I do not know where he's going to play. Um, I know Lampard has been sticking to this four-three-three formation that we've been doing. At times, a four-three-three-one. Um, he has a lot of trust in Tammy, so I'd expect uh, Lampard to maintain that faith in Tammy to be that lone striker up top. Which is why I'm thinking that Warner might be played at wing for the most part. But I do also want to see him at the nine striker. I want. I want. I'm glad that we signed Warner. Hopefully, to be that number nine striker, just so it motivates. Tammy to, to be to be challenged because this whole season he hasn't been challenged. I mean, you have a 33-year-old Giroud who can barely get a sniff of game time, and then you got Bacuai who's looking terrible. So there's no competition for him. So this signing for Werner I'm super excited for because now it's it's a signing that will hopefully give that competitive edge to Tammy and make him an even better striker than he is now. Yeah, I mean, with, like you said, David, Ziyech coming in, and then you have Pulisic, it's, it's hard not to see... Uh, him being successful in that that classic striker role, right. especially the way Lampard plays. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long. I mean, Tammy is a great player and he's young, but I feel like it might be wise to like, I don't know, try him out as the backup. You play mm-hmm. both of them side by side, and if Werner actually gets into the that striker role at your team and he's putting results out, you get rid of Tammy. I mean, is that do you think that's possibly the the end goal is to get rid of Tammy? Absolutely not. I think the end goal for Lampard is to have them both play together, because Lampard has tried in preseason for the most of our preseason, uh, his first preseason at Chelsea, he wanted to do a full four two, and he had Tammy and Batshuayi up top, and it looked terrible because Batshuayi can't play off of someone who's just like him. I think uh, a two up top with Tammy and Warner is the end goal. Now every coach is going to change tactics rapidly based on the 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 ammo at his disposal. So we'll see. But I do think Lampard does want to go to an up top, uh, two up top very soon. When if it works, you know, it still could go back to just maintain this four through three with Warner out wide and Tammy up top, or Tam- or Warner just beating Tammy to that line. But Tammy right now is actually you know avoiding contract talks. Um, he's waiting. He's kind of waiting out to see how things roll out. I, he's I think he's going to sign obviously because he's his boy at club. But I think this Warner deal is can play a part in it based on how much talks exchange between him and Lampard and what his plans are for Tammy now that Werner's here. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't see um Lampard's at least not now starting both of them because uh let's say one of them gets injured, you have Giroud as a backup and then that obviously changes everything. So you'd he'd probably go with one striker cuz he wouldn't match Werner with uh Giroud or cuz I I think Batshuayi is out this summer. Oh for sure. So I don't think he wasn't he even would... on the bench this weekend against Villa. Right. So I don't think he would risk both of them starting. Um, but I, I have a question: um, If he doesn't play the nine, where do you think? Oh, which wing would he play it? And then you think Ziyech would play the ten? Um, yeah, I think. Well, I think Warner would be the left wing if he wants to keep playing Tammy as striker, and Ziyech would be right wing. 
Um, because that midfield three that Lampard uses, none of them isn't exactly like a number 10 role, kind of like a, a, two, uh, a six and two eights. The six being the Jorginho and the two eights being Mount and Kovacic or, or Kovacic and Conte. <clears throat> so the kind of role that Ziyech is, he's very free-roaming. He's very creative. Um, and so I think um, that would have to be expended at one of the wing positions. Um, and since he's left-footed, he loves cutting in. I think the right wing is perfect for him under Chelsea. Now, we might he, we might even see Lampard doing a 4-3-1 and then Ziyech being put in that number 10 role. Yeah. But we, we don't even know if, he, if Lampard's going to use that 4-3-1. Every time we have used it this season, it was not that great. We tried against Bournemouth, and we ended up losing at home 1-0. It was not a great game. So we'll see. I mean, but yeah, I definitely think Werner left wing and Ziyech right wing. So now with the signing of Werner, do you think that influences the possibility of you guys getting Sancho? Because I know Sancho is another high-value target on the market right now. Yeah. Was targeted by Chelsea as well. Mm-hmm. Also targeted by a lot of other big clubs in the Premier League. You think there's now no chance of you guys getting Sancho? no chance, no yeah. chance? Yeah, we, I mean, especially with the money you spent. Yeah, we spent fifty million yeah. on on uh, on Warner, and we're heavily linked now with Havertz, which I don't even know how to feel about Havertz. But Havertz is an eighty million player. There's and once we signed Warner, it was almost like the Chelsea fan base was went hush puppy on on, on Sancho. On Sancho. Yeah. Like we don't even care. I don't even care about Sancho anymore. He was. I remember two episodes ago we were talking about your dream, our signing, dream yeah. signing, and he mm-hmm. was mine. Now I haven't mentioned Sancho since then. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he hasn't proven himself with. Yeah. I mean, anything honestly. He's, well, he's, he's a, a great, great player. He's a great, he's a great player. player. But yeah. whether his transition to the Premier League will you know be a good one? Yeah, that's still. Yet I still to be think seen. he's destined for for one of the big. He'll, the big, he'll be in the, the Premier League. La Liga Giants. So we'll see. He'll be in the Premier League. I think. I think you he'll think go so? to the Premier League soon. If he does, I don't know where I'd see him. Maybe City again. I don't know. I would hey. probably if they're especially now. Well, now we can go into other uh, transfers that are happening. But Pep Guardiola, after the Arsenal, after the Arsenal mm-hmm. game, he came out and said that Sonny has refused to sign an ex, uh, extended contract. Yep. So he's looking to leave. So now that he's leaving, probably most likely to Bayern is his likely destination. I think that. Why not go for Sancho? You Sancho know? could be because a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they are sense. there are lacking winner, wingers, um, Sterling and Mares, who obviously are going to be shooing to start. Um, but they've had to use uh, Foden out wide at times. Sometimes Bruno Silva, who can play there, but Pep likes him in the middle, kind of like the up and coming David Silva. But um, but yeah, that's a uh, so that's where I think Sancho could end up. That could be a possibility. Yeah, yeah, that I makes mean, sense. With with Sané gone. I mean, expecting to be gone. Where do you think he's going? Do you think it's a Sancho question? Or who? Uh, Sané. Sané, Bayern, for yeah. sure. I don't he's think it's much been, of a question, yeah. He's been flirting with them for mm-hmm. yeah. a couple summers now. I, uh, wasn't he linked with them in for January? Yeah, he was. He was, and but the injury... Even even before then, too, I yeah. think it was like last summer. And then well, if you expected... go all the Well, if you go all the way back to when he was at Schalke, mm-hmm. Bayern wanted him. While yeah. when he was 18 years old, Bayern at loves they love scooping up the young they love scooping up German talent. Yeah, but when he was at Schalke, wasn't Pep uh, Bayern's coach? Was I think it was? I think he was. I think he was. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. Wow. Either way, Bayern as a as a entity, I've always admired yeah. young German talent. Mm-hmm. That's why they're still linked with him now. Yeah. So I'm sure. I'm sure the scouting is yeah. still telling him. Pick oh up yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> what are some other transfers here? Um, oh yeah, so. Another uh, player in the Premier League that uh, uh, Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe, Burnmouth, 
in his press conference after the game at the weekend, he pretty much said that he wants players at the club who want to play for the club. And he pretty much said Frazier doesn't is at the end of his contract this summer, doesn't want to get injured. So he they both respected each other's, you know, opinions and Frazier's not playing anymore. So Danny, where do you think Ryan Frazier's gonna end up in the because he's obviously going to stay in the he's Premier League. He's going to stay in the Premier League, but I mean, he'll go to a mid-table club. It's it's not really he's not that great of a player to well, be. Well, he has been linked with Arsenal for Well, yeah, for yeah exactly, a mid-table club. <laughs> uh, oh no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> look, Frazier is a good player and he's I mean, nothing against the guy, but he's not he's not something that one of the top 6 is going to look for. So I'm yeah. thinking maybe he'll go to something like uh uh, I, I honestly don't. E- I don't Arsenal? even know. Like no, Everton... I'm, I'm, I'm. I think a good destination for him that he'll actually get benefit being there and like vi- like for both parties, mm. he'll be beneficial. I think Leicester. Leicester, Leicester they don't have any speedy wingers that are mm-hmm. specifically stay out wide to the cross in the box, mm-hmm. and they have lethal finishers. I think he is perfect for the wing. If that, that will even allow Madison to kind of consistently stay in the middle because mm-hmm. he's played left wing at times kind of like jack Grealish at villa that's true so a winger like frazier i think that actually benefited him a lot and a team like leicester who are looking for more squad depth well, they want to maintain this consistent seasonal top four push mm-hmm. a player like ryan frazier who is qual- who is a quality decent squad player for a team like leicester mm-hmm. i think he could do well there i'm thinking but also if he possibly- goes to arsenal there's so many wingers. Like, it's just, there's so many youngsters coming up. It's, there's so many players there. I think it'd just be just another, you know, it's not something that Arsenal needs. They need someone. Arsenal like, has a cluster of yeah, average players. Yeah, so, they, they I mean, need someone that will start immediately, come yeah. in and have a place. Yeah, I'm so. thinking possibly Everton might Everton be a good spot. Be good too. Might be a good spot for him. Yeah. I mean, with Richarlison's take, it seems he's taking on the whole left wing spot as well as striker spot on the, on the club. Right. Because he's bringing the ball up the wing, playing striker. He's doing multiple facets for the team. Um, to be able to just keep him up top uh, with Calvert-Lewin, I think possibly uh, bringing Frazier in on the left would be beneficial to them. Yeah. I mean, it's just a thought. No, that's a good shout, for sure. Um, another one that's... Uh, okay, I guess we can kind of finish up the transfers here with this one. Um, but it's looking like Barcelona and Juve are going to do a nice player swap. swap for Pjanic and Arthur. David, what do you think about that? Well, uh, last podcast, I th- I think we talked with Jorginho going a little bit. Uh, and Pjanic. Right. I think this makes more sense for Juve. Yeah. Getting Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I Arthur is such a great player, Brazilian, so you know he's pretty great. Um, and Pjanic, it makes sense as well. I think he'll do good with players like Busquets and uh, De Jong. Uh, I think it's it's I think it's a good swap for both teams. There's just such an age gap between both of them. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird. It's I, weird I, to he, me. I don't see him at Barca long term. Mm-hmm. Maybe like maybe a season or two, but it makes sense for right now, I guess. Just to get that midfield stability. Yeah, exactly, because mm-hmm. they don't have that right now. They don't know. I look at this swap as kind of like Barca just doing Juve a favor. Yeah, it's definitely more beneficial yeah, for Juve because mm-hmm. Pjanic is is one of those midfielders that he can play till he's thirty four, thirty five, just based on. The way he plays, mm-hmm. he's not that physical, but no. he's incredibly, incredibly skillful with the ball at his feet. He's so good at passing. Mm-hmm. He has a cracker of a free kick. So, but I mean, you're sending over Arthur, you're probably your best playmaker besides Messi, to Juve, who that's what they, exactly what they've needed. And you don't like Barca could live without a Pjanic, right? Mm-hmm. But sure. they, they, I mean, I don't know. It's just like 
you should have kept. They should have kept on Arthur because he's yeah. so good, uh, especially for the midfield. Trio. Yeah, I, do, I rate him. Yeah, and so yeah, I just think there's. It's almost like they're trying to. It's kind of like a like a a was there a money PR move. Like was there a, money involved in the swap or was it? I not guess disclosed? we'll find out. But as of right now, there has been no fee okay. agreed, but huh. just a player swap agreement. Interesting. So. Well, I guess we'll see more in the coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely not valued at the same. So I'm sure no. there will be a cash cash involved. Because Juve is definitely throwing cash in for yeah. for Arthur because Pjanic is thirty, mm-hmm. you know, and we I don't like saying the age is a big thing, but when it comes to midfielders, it kind of it should be. Yeah. Um. Well, any player on the field because keepers can play until they're forty, but a player like Pjanic can play until thirty four, but like they're, they're like you said, they're valued so differently. Mm-hmm. So, was there any other uh, transfers you guys saw that is worth talking about that actually seems like res- like credible? Not I really. Think of any. Okay. Not really. Or else, uh, Dave, you should uh, break us in with uh, what's happening or what's happened this week and what you thought with uh, La Liga coming back. I mean, no biggie, really. You know, just Real Madrid <laughs> sitting first at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been it's been exciting to see. I've been watch getting to watch La Liga um, every day. I've been able to watch a couple more games than I usually did. Um, so it, it's been, there's been a lot of great games. Um, kind of like um i'd say mixed match just but i mean by that is that uh like top 10 teams losing to like lower table teams and then vice versa um it's been really cool to watch uh atletico was sitting i think six at the beginning when, when right before we started again and right now they're sitting third because they the um, the point gap is the so point small. Gap is so small between the top. I think the top eight is still pretty close. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see Barcelona slip up. Always, it's always nice to see. And they got a tough game tomorrow against uh, Athletic Bilbao, so it should be exciting. It's still super tight. We're pretty much only ahead because of the losses, match loss. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. Just so you guys know, we are recording on the 22nd of June, Monday. Yeah. Um, so be sure to catch that game tomorrow. You said Barcelona's playing who again? Uh, Bilbao. Bilbao, yeah. So that should be a good game. Um, but yeah, so Real Madrid have looked really good since the, the comeback. Especially it's great to see Hazard play again. And Hazard's being Hazard. You know, everyone thinks he's going to come back, score a bunch of goals. But he that's just not who he no, is, man. Not. He'll have a one-on-one with a goalie, and he'll still decide to box tricks. Be a, be the sister in a nice sweaty, for to boost up the stats of Benzema or whoever. That that yeah, we that saw first we saw that in Ramos. the first game. He yeah, had a one on one and still passed it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he's been looking great, Hazard, since he's been back. He didn't play at the last game. He played the first two, started the first two. Uh, he didn't play at all the last game. Uh, but he already looks great. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I think definitely think the player that has been so good since coming back has been Benzema. I mean, yeah. he's maintaining a nice goal-scoring record. The The goal that he scored to to make him the fourth-highest goal-scorer for Madrid was an absolute banger of a volley. Yeah. It was oh, so yeah. nice. Was so nice, nice man. But then again, when isn't Benzema scoring? Yeah. I mean, the guy is absolutely... Yeah. He's just, he puts out goals. Yeah. And he's such a great playmaker. Seeing him and Benzema just link up is... It's it's an art form, really. How well they play or and bounce off each other is, yeah. is so nice to see. Because uh, we he didn't really have that with Ronaldo because pretty much everything was going to Ronaldo. Right. 
But that just shows that Benzema's such a team player. Like, yeah. could you imagine? Because, I mean, there's no way that this is Benzema's prime now. He's just always been this great player. But could you imagine, let's say in a weird, in a weird world where Ronaldo never went to Real Madrid and they still got Benzema, how good ha- could he have been yeah. in his prime, man? Like, I think he would have been rated a lot higher by yeah. most people because, because he, he gets overshadowed by everyone by that he's with. Yeah. Right? Because he would have, the team would have built around him, mm-hmm. you know. Now, when Ronaldo was there, I think pretty sure they were signed in the same season. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. same, the, same mm-hmm. season. Yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, one of those yeah. years. Um, yeah, it was the year Madrid splashed like four hundred million. Yeah, we got yeah, Kaká and, Kaka and mm-hmm. Arbeloa. Yeah, all those players. But yeah, man. I think Xabi Alonso too. We got that year from Liverpool. From Liverpool, yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, he he said it in an interview after he was like, "I never thought I'd be top five of top goal scoring for Real Madrid." So it is nice to see. Yeah, definitely the credit that he deserves. He's had, a, especially with the national team, he's had a tough career. So it's nice that he's you know still playing so well. Yeah. Um, in his later in the later stage of his career, so. Oh man. And, and having Asensio back is nice too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's been getting I, uh, a little play time here and there, not too much. Obviously, you uh-huh. don't want to risk him, but he's been looking pretty sharp as well. Yeah, I honestly completely forgot he was a player. Well, he get a he got a goal and two assists in his first game back. Yeah. Yeah. He's absolute class. I love that guy. Yeah, I wish good. I wish he didn't hurt his uh his ACL, but I mean the break definitely helped him yeah, out in being sure. able to come back quicker. Yeah, he wouldn't have played at all this mm-hmm. season, so it's nice to see, just to have him back. Yeah. So what do you guys think about um Barcelona? What do you think Barcelona needs to kind of like decisively win the league again? You know. All right. Well, obviously they need a striker. Everyone talks about that. Mm-hmm. They need a striker. Um, Suarez, you know, isn't cutting it anymore, as well as the injury. But um, I think they need a a better youthful midfield. I mean, Busquets is great, but he's on his way out. Getting maybe like like a trying to transition towards that four three three with the the three youthful midfielders and maybe one like like tank in the back, like something like like how Conte is playing a box to box, like a tank, someone you can rely on, right? And then two other young creative midfielders. Uh, almost to fill the roles of like what Xavi and Iniesta used to be. Yeah. Um, it, Barcelona's been missing that midfield flair for a while. I think if they could get that back with some youngsters, that'd be cool. Yeah. I've always thought that the, the young sign, the young signing for Barcelona was so strange, just because after watching him play in for that Ajax team that went so far in the Champions League and watching highlights on YouTube, whatever you want to look, he's definitely a a, a a talented player, but his decision making is so is so off. Like he he willingly kind of enjoys dribbling out of the box, tries to dribble out three players in his own half. Barcelona don't do that's that. That's not Barcelona. Dude. That's not Barcelona. They just play simple and Tiki-taka. pass the ball up. You know, he's a great he's a great he's a great asset for a team that plays counterattacking. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and let me let me alter my statement. I think young Spanish midfielder that yeah. they need because young Spanish midfielder they get just, it they yeah, get it they just get it and yeah. exactly they play that Barcelona. Fa- fundamental mentality yeah and here's where i'll disagree with you i think that they while they i agree they do need two creative spanish midfielders who work hard but i think busquets can still be a mainstay in that team yeah yeah to, yeah, to, he to kind say. of hold and he he's kind of a player like like pianic he's super talented at the ball but he's also incredibly defensively intelligent mm-hmm. and he could go on for he started what nineteen, being mm-hmm. the the main defensive mid for Barcelona. He yep. could go on for another, I'd say, four or five years as that defensive. And that that'd be good as a transition, almost to help you bring those two, maybe one at a time, one midfielder in, and Busquets t- sort of just helps out in that midfield to transition yeah. him to become 
that next great midfielder for Barcelona because if he stays there, if Busquets stays in that CDM role, he can still, you know, almost stand there, feet feet glued to the ground and, yeah. and just distribute the ball. Yeah. Um, but getting those two attacking-minded creative midfielders, because uh, obviously Coutinho didn't work out. Um, De Jong is, I mean, he's he's good, but... He'll probably stay. He'll probably stay, but I don't think he's what they needed. I don't think he's what they needed. Yeah. Um, so trying to get those those young Spanish players in the back into the Barcelona squad, I think would would really help them out. Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, def, they definitely need youth. I feel like they're holding on to a lot of their, um, I guess, club legends because I mean, I guess they're hard to replace players like Busquets and I mean, Messi's Messi's. You can't just replace Messi, um, but like players like Suarez. Then they bring in Breathway, which doesn't really make made sense at all to anybody. And then a player who really wasn't a great signing, in my opinion, was uh, Griezmann. Like he barely he rides the bench sometimes, and when he's on the pitch, he just looks lost. And I think that was a terrible signing for Barcelona and a mistake from his part leaving Atlético, because I'm sure him and Joe Felix would be doing damage right now if they were still playing together. Um, so definitely some youth and they have great players that are young, like Ansu Fati, who he shows his quality anytime he gets a chance. And, um, uh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think they had, they don't really have a solid, uh, back four with Umtiti, uh, injured a lot. And then, Ling uh, I'm sorry, Lingle. Lingle. Yeah. I, I think he could be a, a hit or miss some, uh, most of the time. And Piquet Piquet. He's a he could be a donkey sometimes and <laughs> save them in the last couple minutes with a header to to win the game. Yeah, and then I mean Semedo is a great player. We'll see if he stays. If he, we'll see if he ends up going to City, um, but yeah, definitely some youth. And I think I think they need to spend some money on building a great defensive uh, wall. I'm thinking of Barcelona right now as almost like a sinking boat. Yeah, right. And is. they're trying to patch these these holes with individual class signings yeah. that they're getting from, from other leagues. And it's just each signing that they get is not working out and just adding to it, sinking more and more. Because mm-hmm. you think Griezmann, I mean, you know, he's good, but he didn't really improve the squad exponentially. Yeah, uh, Coutinho didn't work out. De Jong, it's not working out that much. He's a great player, but it's individual pieces that they're trying to mesh together to make a, a great squad when, at the end of the day, Barcelona's just falling apart. Yeah, And it seems like every year they're getting worse and worse. But here's the thing that I think is kind of like the defining error that Barcelona continue to make is they keep replacing their managers with these absolute nobodies yeah. mm-hmm. who they expect mm-hmm. to just kind of be like yes men to oh you're making you're going to make sure that you maintain this team playing this style ever since Pep left. And I think that's going to hurt him in the long run and it already is hurting them now but it's they have to adapt to the times, you know. The greatest, the greatest teams in the world adapt to the times and get better. They're still trying to play this tiki-taka soccer that started with Pep. And they stay every time they fire a coach, they stay away from the big-name managers, the Rafa Benitez, the Carlo Ancelotti's, the Jose Mourinho's, the, the, um, someone who I think would probably be a perfect uh, place for, uh, for manager-wise, Pochettino. Pochettino. Why not get Pochettino? He's a fantastic coach. Argentina. He adapted to the times. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, but 
they the the board of this Barcelona team, the bar, the board of this Barcelona, you know, entity, they they want to meet just hire these nobodies who nobody's heard of. And it's almost like they're doing these managers a favor, kind of giving them a nice track record. Oh, I coach at Barcelona, hire me. Mm-hmm. That's what, exactly why uh, Enrique ended up coaching the national team for Spain. It's just it's just so strange. I think they're they're making a mistake by not going for these experienced, well known managers that can actually get them to the to the top of Europe again, like they yeah. were in 2011. So it's just so strange what they're doing. No, I agree. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Off with that, um, we can look at into uh, the never changing Bundesliga <laughs> with Bayern winning another uh, Bundesliga title. I think it's their ninth in a row now, mm-hmm. um, but like 27th of all time. It's just kind of boring at this point, and it's crazy because this is a season that we actually thought it was going to be a nice title race, and it was for a large part for of the while. season. I was yeah. super excited. We had like three, four teams involved in the title race, but I think previously, previous to the uh, COVID outbreak and until now, it just kind of, Bayern just ran away from the pack, and the other teams fell apart like we expected them to. Um, one of them, especially being Leipzig, they, they dropped off completely. I think the defining game of their season was the game against Dortmund where they lost 2-0. Yeah. <clears throat> that was last week. Great game for Dortmund. I mean, Holland and Giorena kind of stole the show. But, man, uh, Leipzig just fell apart completely. So, I mean, you, you'd imagine they've got to be a little distraught hearing the news. <laughs> you, you've got to imagine they've got to be a little distraught hearing the news of, of Timo Werner leaving and then him not playing Champions League with them right? Yeah. and everything like that. So, I mean... I, I understand their dip in form. I understand it, but that's just, it's rough. It's rough for them. COVID didn't help. Him leaving doesn't help. It just, everything came at a bad time, I feel like. And they realistically didn't have the the tools to continue in the title race. So it makes sense. Another year, another title for Bayern. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to take for one of these teams to just trump Bayern. Especially Maybe serious injuries to Mueller, Lewandowski. Because it feels God like, forbid, but it feels like every God forbid, yeah. <laughs> every year it feels like Byron's getting new talent. I mean, they're gonna get Sane. Yeah, if they yeah. get Sane. Um, they might get um, Kai Havertz as well. Um, but and then Dortmund seems like a the opposite where they they feed other clubs. Yeah. So every year that Bayern you think, mostly they got money. <laughs> yeah. Though. Every year that you think that Dortmund maybe will get close, then they just sell their players, and they're, the next year they're not close. So. I don't know when the tides will turn and Myron won't win the league, but I don't know. Hopefully sometime soon because I, I hate seeing them win it back to back to back. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like what's going on in Italy. I mean, hopefully it's not over yet in Italy. I really do think that Lazio can can take it from them. But, yeah, for the most part, I don't see this Bundesliga uh, changing anytime soon. The Bayern is always one step ahead, it seems. You know, every summer they make – smart signings it's almost like barcelona need to take take in the the structure that bayern Definitely. has mm-hmm. they're constantly flipping the team of in out with the old in with the new kind mm-hmm. of thing well also continuing to hold on to those those statued players that they have yeah. like Lewandowski, like muller yeah you know? well you look at bayern's starting lineup and they're all great players at yeah. any position they're all great players and that's what other teams in um the bundesliga don't have Mm-hmm. They'll have like one great player, and that's about it. Mm. Yeah. Bayern's just stacked, even on the bench. Yeah, Leipzig do. Leipzig do. Leipzig and Dortmund, they both have great teams, but they're also littered with youth and mm-hmm. experience. Yep. 
And loaned players. Yeah. And Bayern, is, they have both. They have experience winning titles, going far in Champions League, and they have youth. So As well with, with Leipzig, I mean, loaning those players as well is because they don't have that money. Yeah. You know, it's more, it's more beneficial for them to, to loan that player and get a good season or two out of them yeah, for a lot like, cheaper than exactly. to buy the player. So, like, um, like, Leipzig has a great team right now, but a lot of their players are loaned that are going back to their teams um, after the season's over. Mm. So, they, it's just the teams don't match up. Yeah. I'm super excited now because the Premier League is back. The Premier League is back. Bye, bye. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, I've, been, I've been waiting months for this. Dude, I feel like these last two months have been like a year just without Premier League football. Dude, it sucked so bad, but I'm so glad it's back. So, mm-hmm. so glad. It felt like a long, long, long off season. Yeah, and it's so strange that the Premier League return came uh, started off with such a strange game in Villa, uh, Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. But um, there is something I do want to talk about in that game. Um, the absolute shambolic, <laughs> shambolic referee decision. Yeah. So if for you guys, for those of you who didn't watch the game and see that terrible decision, it was off a corner kick and the goalie goes up to catch the ball in the air. But he lands kind of off-footed, and he stumbles into the net, and he's holding the ball, and he is in the goal, leaning on, leaning on the net inside the goal, and the ball is clearly past the line. And the ref has the audacity to look at the players in uproar because of he not calling a goal. He's pointing at his watch as if, oh, goal line technology didn't go off, so it's not a goal. Instead of actually using his eyes and seeing the goal, the goalie was in the goal with the ball in his hand. Dude, he was in the net. He yeah, was, that was in a the net. Tyrone call. Ming was literally had his hands on his head and was just like looking down because yeah. he knew it was a goal. The, the their own center too. defender. The goalie was like, "Damn it, I'm in the goal." Yeah, like he he was shaking his head and, and then nothing was called and it was just like, "What is going on?" And to make it even worse, VAR didn't even review it. <laughs> Yeah. They just trusted the ref. Like it's almost like they want to be this terrible system of mistakes. Dude, the the goalie Nyland was literally in the back of the net with the ball in his hands, and then <laughs> runs out of the runs out of the goal and says, "No, nah, it didn't go in." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he had the audacity to try to keep playing. Yeah, and it worked. And uh, what makes it so bad is you know how crucial that decision was for Sheffield United's huge, like huge. top four push. They lost two points on that decision. They lost two points. And then it's almost like if had they scored that goal, won that game, the Newcastle game would have been completely would, different. Completely different. And they got absolutely washed Dude, they by Newcastle. Terrible in that game. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. I mean, don't I mean, it kinda helps them out a little bit the fact that Man U and Tottenham and Arsenal all drop points. But they still I mean, that was a big time for them. That could have been a big win for them. A one nil against a good villa side away. So they could be at forty-eight points right now, which would be in fifth place, two above Manchester so United. Be two above Manchester United. Yeah, what a, what a shocking decision. I mean, but instead they're in seventh place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, hey, that's the Premier League, bro. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Premier League came terrible back refereeing. with everything what we thought the Premier League was beforehand, and it was just terrible VAR, terrible refereeing. Just I when mean, I thought, just when I thought VAR couldn't get worse, it doesn't. And goal line technology gets worse, and I'm like, "What?" I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, dude, I was watching the game and I was in disbelief that they were they kept playing. I just couldn't believe it. Well, yeah. it's crazy that VAR uh, didn't look at that, 
but then they look at um, cities. Uh, uh, Aguero's tackle. Oh, today. today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't even get that me started. Soft, that was nobody a soft even decision. asked the softest for a PK. Penalty. They just kept playing, and then out of nowhere, they call it back. Aguero just tripped and fell because he was off balance, whatever. But yeah, dude. Because yeah, it was Aguero, Vieira's, man. Vieira is a mess. Yeah, I like. I think if nothing was called in that game, um, to, the game we're t- talking about was actually the game that was today. Uh, Man City, Burnley, where there's attacks of the box and it resulted in a PK. If that wasn't even if if the decision wasn't even given, I don't even think Man City would have cared. They're already three 0 up. Yeah, like whatever. Uh, if you look, I think Zinchenko kicks the ball out of bounds, like annoyed at Aguero because he has to kick the ball out. When in reality, it helps him get a penalty. Yeah, I <laughs> I didn't expect the call at all. Yeah, um, but another uh thing I want to talk about is just the the absolute craziness that is Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> I mean. It, it, I guess they really it, are. A I guess you could call team. it craziness. It's craziness. It's fascinating. It's just there. There really isn't a team <laughs> as unlucky as Arsenal when it comes to their structure mm. of build team building and their terrible run of form at times. And it's just insane. We can start off with the Man City game where for the first half they looked they they were holding up their end, looked really decent. Mm-hmm. But you know Arsenal as his team, terrible injury track records. They had two players go down in the first half, one of them being Shaka, the other one being Pablo Mari. Both of them were substituted, but a big moment was David Luiz coming in for Pablo Mari. And yep. uh, I don't know if you guys watch Men and Blazers, but they had the most hilarious line. They slow-moed David Luiz being uh, substituted in, and David Luiz does what he does all the time when he gets subbed in, two fingers up to yeah. the sky to, uh-huh. to, to almost like a prayer. And he's like, what? Then they slow mode it. Uh, one of the guys is like, and here's David Luiz uh, showing you how many goals he's going to concede for <laughs> Arsenal as he comes on the field. Two goals. <laughs> First one was a terrible touch, and the second one was just a terrible tackle that was harsh red. It shouldn't have been yeah, red, but I it definitely so was a too. PK. I honestly think that is one of the single hand worst center back performances <laughs> yeah. in the Premier League history. That for game. For sure. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you about another bad one. To that level, so no, and that that is one of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah he for sure cost them the game. Yeah, hundred percent. He costed himself his own like Arsenal career. career There's no yeah. way he plays again for Arsenal. There's no way. Mikel Arteta was like pub very public about his distaste for David Luiz's <laughs> performance. Like I and he's only he only signed a one year contract for the season. Mm-hmm. So there's no he yeah, signs another gone. one. Where do you think he will end up? <laughs> Brazil. Brazil. If he's that's lucky, what I, that's what I'm if he's lucky, too. if if he's not lucky, he's gonna stuck. He's gonna be stuck being a a restaurant owner in London. That's all he's gonna be because <laughs> that's all he has at this dude. point. He's horrendous. Um, but yeah, man, it, it really is sad what's having Arsenal because they they always each summer they show promise with the signings that they make. Um, I mean, man, just look on paper the team, the players that they have: Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil, Pepe, Pepe. Pepe. Like they have a, such a strong offense. Um. But yeah, their defenses, they defense needs so much work. Their midfield needs so much work. They terrible decision losing Aaron Ramsey. Um yeah, they just need a lot of work, man. And well, they're lucky their midfield, to finish top they have ten this season. A, a couple of good players. Like Ceballos. Um Who's loan? He's going back to he's loan. Yeah, he's on loan. But I mean at least for this season, they have a couple of, uh good midfielders with Ozil, Ceballos, um Torreira. Torreira. But mm-hmm. is he injured? Because I didn't see him play. The uh, he might be. He, he might, might be lacking match fitness. Uh, but but uh, the young French player, too. Uh, oh, Guendouzi. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good, too. So yeah. their, their midfield is not great, but it is 
good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give this. I'll give this to uh, Mikel Arteta. Is that he does trust in the youth. Um, Bukayo Saka, brilliant winger who is yeah. kind of forceful left back, but he's so good. For his Joe, age, he's he's very good. Yeah, Joe Willock in the first half for Man City looked really strong. You know, was a physical presence. He's tall. He's he's physical and he's good on the ball. Um, he's not afraid to use Niketi up top. Um, he kind of, I believe, Arteta was not impressed with Lacazette in that game. He sold him off early in the second half, and on came Niketi, and I think Niketi actually looked a lot better. So. They do have good promising youth, but they still need to get that center back partnership in line. I mean, yeah. there is that um, center back they have on loan in France that they bought, but had to keep him on loan. So I'm pretty sure they're waiting for him to come. I forget his name. I'm sure. If, I'm for sure if Austin was on this podcast with us, shout out to you. <laughs> he would tell us. But um, but yeah, they do have one young center back coming in, but they still need a lot of work. Question um, though, why why don't they play Martinelli? Martinelli, that's what I was thinking. Like, I've thought about him, yeah. Why don't they play him? Maybe he's lacking match He was too. great against Chelsea. Yeah, he he was he's a very good player in my opinion. Yeah, but, he is. He, he was on the bench for the last two games, but he didn't get any playing time. Yeah, especially just, having five subs. Five substitutions. Exactly, you would yeah. imagine he would get a little, but yeah, that is weird. But that goes into this weekend game where they play against Brighton. Should be on paper, should be an easy win for them, but it wasn't. <laughs> yep. Um. A big loss for uh, Arsenal losing Leno. It's a very question. Big, you can go. You can debate this for hours on whether or not it was intentional on Malpe's part. You know, any Arsenal fan's gonna, you know, yeah. ask for Malpe's head. But mm-hmm. it's being one a third of the, it's person, one of those I don't think it was. It was just unfortunate. I mean, Malpe was kind of running full speed out of him. He's gonna challenge the ball. He, he hit Leno in the air. Leno had a bad landing, and then he goes out. And then the whole team goes out for Malpe's head. Yeah. When Doozy especially acts like a punk and tries to grabs he, his, grabs him by the throat, right? Grabs him by the throat. Mm-hmm. He ends up sticking his arm out while Malpe runs by him and he runs into his and he kind of Malpe kind of exaggerates yeah. it, but still, when Doozy's acting out, and Malpe ends up winning, ends up scoring, scoring the winning the goal. Very so controversial. Yeah. That kind of makes it even more of a debate on what should have happened. But either way, it's a bad loss for Arsenal and they have a lot of work to do. In yeah, my opinion, goals are always tough. Yeah. In my opinion, Malpe's challenge, you see one of those every weekend. Exactly. Oh, for sure. But it just happened to be where Leno gets a bad landing on it. Yeah. So it it makes it look really bad. It's unfortunate. Uh nothing more than a foul. I yeah. think it's just a foul, you know. It's not too intentional. He's not trying to hurt him. He's going yeah. for the ball. You see players do that all the time right um but yeah it's, it's a foul goes the other way but unfortunately leno steps wrong yeah and he hurt himself badly so and malpe malpe did have some interesting words for those Arsenal players Indeed especially he guendouzi he was it was the one of the my favorite parts of that interview he did after the game he was like um one of the players kept um saying horrible things to me on the field but he was saying it in french i'm not going to repeat what he said but he was talking in french mm-hmm there ain't no other French midfielders on that field. <laughs> Gendouzi, we knew yeah. he was talking about Guendouzi. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just funny. Like he's like that Arsenal team has a lot to learn, and mm-hmm. I hope they learned a big lesson today with the game. Yeah, I was like, damn, I saw that. So you're they trying to, to die. They need to, to say, die. He was like, they need to be humbled. Yeah, yep. that that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> that dude, that dude, that dude's trying to die. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Arsenal fan TV is gonna come for yeah, his, come his, head. his throat, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I stayed off of any Arsenal fan TV stuff because I knew they would just be livid about this guy. Yeah. It's like one of those like uh, kind of they read that they they view that uh, interview and you just see Arsenal fan TV leaves the chat. Yeah, <laughs> it was like I guarantee it was how I felt in the Champions League final when Ramos brought down Salah. Salah, like I wanted broke his collarbone. Yeah, uh, or... no, he just tore his ligaments in his shoulder. Yeah, I wanted his head on a stake. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I guarantee that's that's cuz I mean Leno is one of the better parts of their team, yeah. you know. He's mm-hmm. he's a really good goalkeeper in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's one of the highlights of of Arsenal uh, of that dumpster fire of a club. So he <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So to lose him is just it's just horrendous, man. It just takes their season from It just went from bad to worse. Yeah, their season is chalked at this point. Just just pack up. Yeah. Yeah, they I'm sure they want his head on a stick. Well, that's how the game goes sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, another game that I was super looking forward to ended up being one of the driest games of the weekend. Merseyside Derby. Yeah. Zero zero. Yeah, it was a tough game to watch. Yeah, it lie. really was. I, even as a, I was so excited. I, I, I clocked out early. I was so excited to see Liverpool back, and it was a boring game. Yeah. And I, I didn't even think. I was thinking like, oh, even if it's a boring game, because I went into it expecting us to be a little sloppy, expecting us to be a little, uh, I don't know. Have some rough touches and stuff. Yeah, but, I expected, but like every team was yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect a tie. I expected a win. I'll take a tie because I'm sure, you know, think we're just getting back into the motion um, as long as we didn't lose. But yeah, it was just sloppy on both ends. Uh, yeah. Everton had like one or two chances. We had like one or two chances. No, There were no real goal-scoring opportunities. And uh, we had a terrible lineup. I don't know what Klopp was thinking. We had a Rigi on the wing. We had and Minamino. Yeah, Minamino played, which I mean, all right, Minamino played. Ox- Oxlade only got forty-five minutes. Um, Milner playing left back. Milner had to play left back because Robertson's out, and then Milner got injured. So then Joe Gomez had to play left back, and so then we had left back Joe Gomez, left wing Origi, and it was just uh, we couldn't yeah, play. Weird game. We couldn't play the left. So it was yeah, it was a weird game. Uh, I don't know when Aldum only got like thirty minutes, and. We didn't even play Salah. So, I mean, all in all, pretty terrible game. Hard to watch. Bad for neutrals. Bad yeah. bad for either supporters of Liverpool or Everton. Just all in all, you didn't miss much. So, yeah. Well, I think actually Everton can go away from that game very happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. one of the only three teams in the league to take points off of Liverpool so far this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, take you it. know, shout out to Ancelotti. He had the team, you know, look offensive and actually try to get a goal. Mm-hmm. Charleston had a couple chances. Yeah. One great chance, mm-hmm. but... Um, just didn't work out. But, yeah, I think Carlo Ancelotti has a plan for this team, and I think he's going to make Everton what they've always wanted to be, to break into that Champions League consistent you know, thing. They've had to spend so much money to do it, but finally I think they this is where we're going to look at them and see how well they do. I know they play tomorrow. I forget against two, but we'll see how they do against, uh, <clears throat> against a non- title winning team they play wednesday against norwich they play wednesday oh yeah that's what mm-hmm. I, yeah they're gonna wash norwich dude. yeah i think they're gonna they will, wash yeah. them yeah that'll be a good game to see how they're how they're actually doing because yeah. it's hard to play against liverpool they're not going to have much possession yeah but i mean at least they showed good strides with with the attacking play with richarlson and calvert lewin they both had good good chances in the attacking third but no possession so i mean that's what you expect when you play liverpool but going into that norwich game we'll really see how ancelotti's like tactics can play out yeah for sure um Oh, and then obviously there was the, uh, funny how I forgot about this, the Chelsea-Villa game that happened yesterday. And not going to lie, I was going into the game thinking that we were going to smack them. We were going to smack Villa, especially because we have a, pretty much a fully fit team. The only players that were out were only minor, lack, lack of match fitness players with Tamori and Hudson-Odoi. Hudson-Odoi made the bench, but he didn't play at all. Um, but yeah, we still pretty much, we have Loftus-Cheek back, we have Loftus-Cheek back, we have Conte fully fit, we have Pulisic fully fit, and... It was a weird lineup. I expected Pulisic to start, but he didn't. Um, but he came on at when we were 
down a goal and he game was changer. game, game changer. Yeah, absolutely game changer. He was my man of the match for sure. For sure. It was either him or Mount because Mount looked dangerous all game. That is true. Mount did look good. <clears throat> yeah. Um. But man, I'm so happy. I just want to see Pulisic just continue to perform because I am obviously you know I'm, I'm American. I want to see American players do well, and having him at my favorite club is big for me. Uh, and especially with all the news coming out of ZX signing, Warner signing, these are big players that could have possibly play his position. Yeah, still time so for him. Yeah. It could, he, it, he still has to continue, continuously uh, prove himself. So to see him do so well off the bench, it's just uh, very enlightening for me. But honestly, that first half was really terrible, and I should have seen it coming because every every team – after this, you know, big break are going to be sloppy in all yeah. the leagues. Yeah. We were incredibly sloppy. Kovacic, who has looked so good all season, actually had a very terrible game, looked really bad. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because of, you know, big break. Um, but Conte looked great. Mount looked great. Our fullbacks looked terrible. Even though Ashby Laqueta had two assists, that is not in any way <laughs> define how bad of a game he had because defensively he was out of position. Um, I guess that kind of explains how he got to his two assists because he was was running forward a lot. But Marcus Alonso looked really bad. Rudiger well, is maintaining a uh, a thought in my head that he is by far a worse center back, and he looked terrible yesterday. But I'm just glad we got the three points where everyone else around us dropped points. Yeah. So that's what I'm happy about. We're now sitting five points ahead of Man U. Um, we're in fourth, so I'm just so happy that we got the three points, especially on a day where we didn't even look that good. Because so. at the end of the day, this first week back, is you just got to grind the result. Yeah, no exactly. one's going to look good. The only team that really did look good was City. Besides that, everyone else just needed to grind results out. Yeah. The thing is, though, that they're playing – I mean, there's games every week, so it's you have a sloppy game, you have to mm-hmm. pick it up. Every team is playing day. like every three to four days. Yeah. So it's not even a week. Yeah, by the time we record next, next week, it'll be another – Match games. week and a half yeah, almost 12, gone. 12, 15 mm-hmm. games will probably be played um, in the Premier League alone. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess that'll bring us to um, the last the last game of today that played today, the Man City-Burnley uh, game. We, we, we mentioned a little bit before, but we got to talk about Phil Foden. What a player he is, Young dude. talent. He had... He played uh, well. He had, what, two goals? Two goals two, two and goals. almost one assist, but one key pass on a play for... For David Silva's goal, well, and he's just so good. I mean, he's constantly being compared to the Hudson Odoi's, the Martinelli's, the Bukayo Saka's, the Mason Greenwoods, but he is in a tier of his own because none of those players that I mentioned could break into that Man City team like mm-hmm. he did, and he's actually and showing his worth. The yeah. difference is Pep doesn't play Foden as much, right. so he doesn't get the exposure that that someone like Hudson Odoi, Tammy Abraham, Trent Alexander Arnold got. Like these these players were playing on a full team like ninety minutes. By the age of 20, you know? So for Phil Foden at, what, 19 years old? Or is he 20 now? He might be 20. I think he's 20. He's He's the youngest out of that group of players. Yeah. Um, To finally break out into the squad. And I think this now these last nine games are definitely going to help him because City doesn't really have anything to play for league-wise. Pep's going to be able to play him and give him exposure. Yeah, especially with five subs, he can play 60 minutes, 70 minutes. And then I think going into next year, Foden will be a a very key player into that City squad. Big, Especially with David uh, Silva going out. Mm -hmm. I think that's more kind of more of what it is. Uh, Pep trying to see what he's really about right now. Uh, I don't think they'll replace Silva Mm -hmm. because I think he has that already. Mm -hmm. Well, I think he already has 
I, I think Bernardo Silva, everyone knows Bernardo Silva is like the perfect place for David Silva. Yeah. The only yeah. thing, if anything, he adds something different that David Silva didn't, and it's just hard work. He he, the the coverage of miles that he he has on the field is is incredible. He works so hard, but he's so creative, just like David Silva is. Um, so yeah, I mean, Phil Fona was started out on the wing for this game, um, but he was all over the field. He was mm-hmm. all over. He was running into the box, running in from the right wing, bringing the ball inside. You know, he's super dangerous and. I'm surprised that they were able to put five past Burnley because, you know, Burnley are just such a weird, scrappy side, low block, making people cross in from the box. And yeah. I thought they were going to hold them to a very tight game, but Man City gave it to them. And now I'm kind of nervous for this game that's going to happen on Thursday, Chelsea versus Man City. Um, but my op- the optimism in me is just like they just got all the goals out of their system that could against be. Burnley, yeah. you know. City looked absolutely <laughs> insane, though. They looked like, really good. They were the only team out of all the the teams to come back that didn't look as sloppy as the others. Yeah, like, that is, that they is looked true. like they were just jumping right back into the into the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, especially with, oh, man, I just can't stop thinking about that Foden pass. It was so the, the no, no look. look. Oh. Looking left, passes right, right, splits two defenders. Dude, he's, he literally bamboozled the entire defense mm-hmm. because Bernardo Silva pretty much had the, the whole goal to look at yeah. and found David And Silva they all still. stepped left. Oh, it, did, it, it was so nice. If you haven't yeah. seen it, you got to watch it. Yeah. It just, was one of the best. Just watch the highlights of that Man City game, and you'll see mostly uh, Mares, who was <laughs> Mares was insane oh, as well. Mahrez yeah, Mares. So it was it was the Mares and Foden show because those two were ballers today, absolute ballers. Let me tell you, Mares doesn't get as much as respect as I think he should. Yeah. So, you know how many times I've heard him being compared to William? Dude, I, oh, some no. of the run, <laughs> the runs he was making off the ball, his the touches, touches, everything yeah. was just first, crisp. Dude, off of there was one play where he had a long ball coming in to hit to him, and when he was on the on the far right wing of the pitch, his first touch meg somebody, dude, and it looked so intense because he literally at first touch was with purpose, and he got past him and megged uh, what was it, uh, Andrew Taylor ripped that dude. His career is donezo because he got put on toast like three times by Mares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who who is that? Who was uh, it's up Andrew against Taylor, the left back? Yeah, the left back. Okay, yeah. I, was I, had, say, I looked him up. Because okay, I had, I had he was getting cooked the entire game. <laughs> yeah, Mares was making <laughs> runs away and then just immediately turning on a dime, coming back, yeah. grabbing the ball, passing it, and going again. Yeah, uh, he, he, he sent that. Time. Yeah, that left back was running circles. Yeah, I'm sure I, Sean Dyke has to kind of be like, all right, bro. <laughs> kind of sit next game out, you know, take take a minute, relax, because that was a tough game. Yeah. But yeah, that <laughs> that was. Just so crazy from Mares. I mean, he really, I really didn't think much of his signing last summer when he signed for Man City. I was like, oh, just, you know, just more Another depth player. for City. Yeah. But now he's like a shoe in. Like, he's a starter. He's going to be that yeah. right wing, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he's looked so good. And this is usually a Burnley team that keeps clean sheets. That's what I'm saying, yeah. It's, it was surprising that they put five. It's almost like they welcome crosses into the box because of how big and t- strong the players are. They can just head it out. I think, Burnley, kind of the game plan. I think Burnley has the second most clean sheets in the Premier League right now. I thought it was went, uh, Sheffield United. Sheffield has the second most? Yeah, because Dean Henderson is like number two for clean sheets. Number two. I know Nick Pope and Dean Henderson are both right up there for clean sheets. So yeah. either way, they're both. Oh, both... Nick Pope is up there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, that's the top three. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They're, I'm just surprised they put five. You're right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I guess we'll wait and see what happens this Thursday against Chelsea. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it doesn't make me feel good going into our, our game against City in, like, 10 days because they're going to mop us if we play the same way we played now. Against Everton? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have the Crystal Palace game to look at. Mm. And the Crystal Palace games in the past for Liverpool 
<laughs> don't even don't great. bring it up. Don't bring it up, Dwight Gale. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh man! Oh, yeah, this, looking at that, you probably rather play Man City than Crystal Palace. Yeah. Oh man, dude. I still sometimes wake up in the middle of the night sweating, thinking about Dwight Gale scoring a hat trick. Oh, <laughs> uh, against the past, bro. It's in the past. It's in yeah, the past. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, anything else for the Premier League, guys? No, nah, I'm just glad it's back. All right. For sure. Well, we do have one question that we want to um, end off the podcast with. Uh, mm-hmm. How about Danny? You read it. Read it off for us. Gotcha. All right. And this question came in from Austin. Obviously, you guys all know him as one of our uh, past guests we've had on on the show. He said, "Would you rather win the league or the Champions League, and why?" Hmm. Okay. So this is this is club based league right. or Champions League, and I think. I think I know my answer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it off to Devin first. Um, I'd rather win the Champions League. Uh, it's a lot harder to win the Champions League. Um, when you win just the league title, you're only the champion of that respective country. Uh, the respective country you're in. But when you win the Champions League, you're the kings of Europe. So like, it, it means more. Um, you can go back and forth on which one's harder to do. You could say you know, uh, the league is harder because you have to maintain consistently good for a whole season. But for the Champions League, it's it's tournament based, so you could have a really nice run, um, and you could throw in you know Chelsea's fantastic you know miracle Champions League win, um, kind of like as a weird way to still like kind of like diminish what the meaning of the Champions League. But either way, they won the Champions League, and it's the the round of respect they got for it, and the way it can change the teams, you know, plans for the future. It's just big. The Champions League is so huge, so that's why I'd say I'd rather win the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, for my answer, I think the Champions League is the better of the two. Not the better, but um, the most important for players, because a lot of people, a lot of players, they move to certain teams looking to win the Champions League. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a great competition. You could say you're the kings of Europe, uh, not just like Devin was saying, just of your country, which I'm sure. Um, Winning for your country or for your club team is has a more sentimental value, mm-hmm. but saying you're the king of Europe is a lot better, in my opinion, than of just one country. And as the reigning kings of Europe, um, <laughs> uh, my answer is easy because we haven't won the league in 30 years. So obviously, I'm going to say the league. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in the future. So we pretty much have guaranteed the league this year. So going into next year, I would say I would rather win. I'd rather win the league again. I'd rather really? win the league again than Champions League because since we just won the Champions League, it kind of itched my scratch. So I feel like fulfilled in that in you that aspect. Another scratch? Nah. <laughs> I mean, I would love to, but like you know, it's hard. Uh, I'd rather just be a dominant force in in Europe or in uh, in England and yeah. just consistently put out point totals like higher than everyone else so i mean i i'd prefer to win the league again next year than to win the champions league so that's just my opinion yeah i honestly thought david was going to say league two because he's won his club has won 13 champions leagues and he's had a tough time yeah do you not get tired of them or something they do not get tired. When we won the three titles in a row, that was amazing. Yeah. But also, but on the flip end of that, you've also had to face Barcelona winning La Liga for, what, the past three three seasons, two, three seasons? Yeah, I mean, I mean definitely winning mm-hmm. this, the league is amazing. Like, yeah, I, we'd love that. 
but I think I think teams in general, when it comes down to maybe not getting first, or maybe you can get first, but you have a Champions League game, I think they risk it all more for Champions League than to win the the title race for your for the league. Yeah, uh, especially for teams in England that are looking to possibly win both the title and the Champions League in the same season. You kind of have to sacrifice one or the other at yeah. times just because mm-hmm. of how like squad depth is a big thing. But that's where like teams like PSG, if they were able to get to that level, that they they could throw away League One and still win, and then focus yeah. all on Champions League. It's almost like every season they their main focus is Champions League, yeah. and they still are crap. Yeah. Well, but, that's why like players like Buffon went to PSG because he thought he wants to that's win his the best Champions chance, League, yeah. yeah. And he went to PSG to win. Everybody thought he'd retire and stay at Juve, mm. yeah, for the remainder of his career, which he's back. But uh, yeah, he pretty he much just went that. to PSG to try to win the Champions League to say he won the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a solid question, though. I mean. Everyone is going to have a different answer based on who yeah, they based, support. <laughs> based on your club, based yeah. on the history of how many Champions League titles you've won. If you ask a they fan, were. they'd be yeah. league title every day mm-hmm. because they'll probably never see a Champions League. Well, yeah. we'll never know. Yeah, never but, know. Yeah. And that does another episode of the 3D Experience podcast. I'm so glad that the Premier League is back, and I know you guys are as well. For sure. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us. And... We will have this episode out. Make sure to catch all the games this week because we'll be recapping them next week. We'll be back on Tuesday, every Tuesday. Make sure to check out our social medias at 3D Experience with an underscore at the end. Yes, sir. Also, check out the spectatorsports.com to catch everything on all sports end, blog yep. posts, new episodes, and anything, anything that you really want. So check it out. And thank you guys for the support again. Make sure you send us in some questions for next episode using the hashtag Ask3D, and we'll get to them on the next episode. Uh, Until next one, we'll see you. Peace.